episode 92, The Race for Patient Outcomes. Today, I speak with Eric Grossman from Next Health Technologies. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Next Health Technologies solves business problems using a pretty fancy predictive analytics technology platform. Here's the deal. Next Health's customers, meaning health plans or risk-bearing providers, can basically go about their day-to-day business. But as they do so, Next Health enables them to run what amounts to randomized clinical trials. So like normal, patient presents with some sort of health risk and an intervention is performed. But then what Next Health does is control for variables and assess the impact of that intervention. And in this way, the impact of various and sundry interventions can be compared to one another and outcomes continuously improved. Today, I speak with Eric Grossman from Next Health Technologies about getting from here to better patient outcomes faster and with the authority of empirical data to back up the journey. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Eric. Thank you for having me on this wet morning in Denver, Colorado. (laughs) So let's start with the big news. I understand you received a recent accolade. Yes, thank you. Yes, we were named 2016 Gartner Cool Healthcare IT Vendor. So quite excited about that. Considering that Next Health is an analytics company, one does not often hear cool and analytics in the same sentence, but these times they are changing. That's right. I think there's a lot of shakeout in the market, and cool typically is synonymous with value. And we're pretty humbled by that and look forward to sharing more about that with you. Given that, there's certain pivotal questions that everybody's asking right now relative to value, of course. Everyone's struggling with Right. How do you create value? What investments do we make? Boy, that's a $2 trillion question, right? Uh, I think at the C-suite, a lot of health plans and hospitals are really struggling. You know, just a few weeks ago, Highmark announced that they lost $773 million in Obamacare plans. And health plans and C-suite are truly asking for solutions that deliver tangible administrative or medical savings in a very short amount of time. They're very hard-pressed to invest in capabilities. They're looking for value defined as true business impact to their organization. As we're talking about patient outcomes, which are relevant to any risk-bearing entity. How would we define patient outcomes, especially relative to value? I mean, this is the numerator in our equation. Because it's such an elusive concept, it makes it very difficult to analyze. Yeah, I think most people would agree what a patient outcome is. It's just what journey do you take to get it? And what no-regret investments do you need to make to deliver sustained patient outcomes. I would say a patient outcome is a behavior change that's positive for any given consumer or patient. And I think it's important to remove the word patient. You know, I think we're all consumers and patient arguably has a negative moniker. We're consumers, we're people. 
and that broadens the definition of an outcome. For example, you don't need to be a patient to lose weight. You don't need to be a patient to have a renewal in a health plan. You don't need to be a patient to use wellness and preventative care programs. So I would start with an outcome is is commonly known, but I would remove the word patient. I think what most executives are trying to figure out is how do I get to an outcome and what are those investments I need to make to drive causal outcomes. And when I say causal, we've all heard Sanjay Gupta say that causation is not correlation. And what's real important is that, you know, when you cut someone in a surgery, it delivers an effect. And that's not always as clear cut in population health management and case management, the disease management. You absolutely need to know that when you put the screwdriver into the screw, that when you turned it, it moved. I guess one of the things that confounds me to some extent relative to outcomes is that not every improved outcome reduces cost, for example. So if we're talking about a risk-bearing entity, then we're simply talking about incentives to improve outcomes. Maybe some outcomes are more equal than others because some of them are going to have a definitive impact on cost reduction or, on the other hand, enable certain things to not happen, like a readmission, which is, of course, Mm -hmm. on, on everyone's mind, and or improve some quality rating. And then others, a lot of preventative stuff, for example, doesn't I mean, the patient might feel better, but from an organizational standpoint, you wonder what the impact is. Yeah, I think you're right. Preventative care, arguably and scientifically, isn't always justifiable. And I think within a resource constrained environment where you perhaps have more consumers than you have resources, and you have resources that don't always reach consumers that are free, like digital channels, emails, etc., So I think it's critical that when you define an outcome, you have to ask the question of why. You know, why am I solving for that outcome? And having the right tools in place and decision support information to risk rank your population in terms of a key performance indicator that it contributes to. For example, I think you can use wellness very effectively but it has to be effective in driving a cost reduction, a correlate cost reduction. Like, for example, we know that wellness and well visits are very effective at reducing avoidable ER use. But avoidable ER use is a $38 billion annual problem in the U.S. in terms of something that you can lever wellness as a nudge to educate people on uh, their primary care provider as an alternative to a higher cost, inappropriate care setting. You had mentioned earlier that it's really important to begin by identifying the problem to be solved. And I could see that if if you do that, then effectively what you're doing is also defining, you're sort of prioritizing the outcomes that matter or the the change that you want to affect. Right. You know, I think it's critical that executives rationalize their spend in, in, in organizations. And the best way to do that is first stop implementing capabilities. You just don't have the money to do that anymore. You have to start and organize your organization transformationally around the business problem. And when you ask the question of what problem are we solving for, you get aligned incentives with your vendors. You get an organized information technology and business process team 
So I think it's critical to first start with what's the problem I'm solving for, and I'll throw money at it. But that's the problem that we're solving for versus a capability. And then you embark on that journey, and you go through really four critical questions. In that problem, how do I define it? So it's very different to go after ER visit utilization reduction than ER cost reduction. If you go after ER cost reduction, just go after one person, your highest acute member. But it it it, it turns out that the more you focus on cost, the more acute and harder, less impactful population you get. If you go after visits, you get utilization reduction and avoidable impactful population. So the, the next of the four questions is first to ask, who should we target? And it's my recommendation that you look at a very different question than being asked today. What's being asked today in the who is, where is my highest risk patient? The better question to ask and more strategic question to ask is, where can risk be reduced the most? The second question to ask is, and where most of companies are falling down, is what do I do to reduce that risk? Most analytic assets are giving lists, lists of people to target, but it's not resource constrained. So the the second question of what to do takes into account how many calls can you make a day? What resource should I serve up? Nurse advice line, urgent care, telemedicine, PCP visits, whatever it is, there's a lot of programs that you have to choose between to impact ER visit utilization. And the last and probably the most important of the four questions is, is it working? How do you know and how do you scale it? So it's that what's working question that's really elusive to most executives and hospitals and and health plans. They don't really know. It gets back to causality. Quick review of the four questions to ask when defining a problem. Number one was what? Who to target? Number one is what problem are you solving for? And you'd, you'd be surprised how elusive that question often is in organizations. It's typically a capabilities discussion. Like, for example, you know, how's our EDW and what's our predictive analytics strategy? What's our consumer engagement strategy, which I'll tell you is mind-boggling to me, that there's a lot of wood to cut from consumer engagement to behavior change. The first question is what? Then the second question is where? Is who. Is who, okay. Who to target. The third question is what to do. And the fourth question is how well is it working? Let's focus on that last one. So we've got the what, the who, the what to do, and then the how well is it working? Because I think the how well is it working is something that also is quite the conundrum for many. The how well is it working is is not elusive in other industries. It's only elusive in ours. You hear a lot about A-B testing. You hear about before and after measurement. But the problems with those approaches is there's no true way to isolate that it was your intervention that caused a behavior change. And then if you don't know the answer to that question, it's very hard to scale it. And the gold standard for determining causality is called a randomized control trial. There are other methods, but that mechanism is difficult to execute. And it's not only difficult to execute, it's difficult to systematize and scale. But what an RCT does is you compare the control to a trial group where you use what's called factorial design to vary factors that allow you to isolate that it truly was your intervention 
that caused a behavior change versus other ambient environmental factors that both groups are also exposed to. It's that factor that in many cases is not working, but it allows you to prove, unfortunately, that a lot of the stuff you're doing, hospital or health plans, really not working. It's not moving the needle on population health management. But if you find one that is, man, amplify it and turn off all the other stuff. And I think what you'll find is you generate lift. And lift is kind of the holy grail that we're all after. Lift is defined as value. It's that you have causal value that's being created. And, you know, that measure of causality is typically called a p-value. And that determines your confidence in the value that you're creating. Effectively, what you're suggesting is that there is a way in the real world that it's possible to control for variables to determine the root cause of the lift. That's right. And it's Nextel didn't invent it. It's what drives Amazon.com, the majority of their revenue. It's how other industries run, financial services, telecom. And it's something that if you're not embracing today in your organization, chances are you know, you need to step up your investments in the right types of analytics. You know, in, in our opinion, it's really important that you have operational analytics that give you reports and visual analytics, but those aren't the things that are going to drive the market. Those are the things that are going to run your business. And just because you're running your business doesn't mean you're competing. Those types of analytics that are ambient in other industries are considered bleeding edge in healthcare, and we need to change that. Is there a name for the type of analytics that you're talking about? Yeah, I'd say there are two types of analytics that are really critical that are commonplace words like QTEP. The, the first is prescriptive or next best action analytics. That's the what. That was our third question. What to do for whom? Given that Stacy presents, what do we know about her and what action is she likely to respond to, including nothing? And nothing may well be what you serve up because she's not impactable, or nor does she need anything, nor does she want anything. And then the second type of analytic is really cause and effect analytics or causality. And that's a, a broader subject, and that type of analytics requires a discipline in randomized control trials or A-B testing, and there are other methods that get deployed in that. Do you feel like deploying some combination of the types of analytics that you're talking about would enable different care settings, enable solutions to be evaluated across care settings? In other words, I tried something in in my hospital, uh it works great for me, but it might not work great for you, which I know is a giant problem these days. Right. It, It allows you to personalize care based on the unique needs and cause and effect over millions of members that the human eye just is impossible to train on. So, for example, who within 12 million members is most likely to be impactable with a given intervention or what we call a nudge? And did it work? And there are systems in place today that can do that personalization based on member-level information that includes hundreds of attributes. So who do I call? Who do I email? Who do I text? What do I serve up among 20 to 30 different programs that I have for low acuity members? Which physician is right for this particular member? And how did you know that that was the right physician? Who's accepting patients for what types of procedures? Who's in and out of network? 
how do you manage all that information at scale? And then how do you allocate your precious resources to know it's really making a difference? We were originally talking about the data and how there's all this data flying around, but people aren't doing the right things with it, really, mm-hmm. is pretty much what it boils down to. Like, we've got all this right. knowledge and, and no insight, maybe. Or we're not using the data in order to effectively really identify what our problems are and then, on the backside, right. use the data to solve for them. Are you suggesting that also customer satisfaction data should be incorporated and folded into that in order to help define what the right problems are to solve? I think it's a great question. I'd, I'd spin it a little differently. I think data for data's sake is useless. If, if I had to ask you as a consumer today, what data is important to you, you'd kind of look at me like I was crazy. The question is, at a moment of truth or a life event, what information do you need? So, for example, you use online banking to pay bills. Well, that's a transaction instead of information you need. When you're buying something on Amazon, you go to shop for a particular item and you when you're booking a hotel, you may look at TripAdvisor for information and hotel ratings. That's decision support information. You don't house data as a consumer. So it gets to not necessarily net promoter score or data. It gets back to your one of your three statements, which is why. What's happening? Am I sick and I need care? Is it when I'm buying health insurance? Is it when I need service? So I think starting the main takeaway from this entire discussion is you got to start with why. What problem am I solving for? Marshal your resources around a problem and do it with technology in mind so you can scale it to support other problems. But don't start with data. Don't start with technology. Don't start with capabilities. Start with that problem. And then I think you'll find success. Based on what you know, because obviously Next Health has worked with many organizations, what are some no-regret investments that, based on your experience, you would recommend that, that companies should be at least sure. thinking about? So again, assuming you're solving for a business problem, I've hammered that one pretty extensively. When you start on that journey of a business problem like ER visits, it's really important underneath that that you have vendors who are aligned around that outcome. So make sure they, they're willing to put their fees at risk, they understand what that means, and they can c- contract for it, one. Two, be understanding that your current relational databases aren't effective at all in supporting predictive and prescriptive analytics. The investments in, in data management need to be in what's called NoSQL environments like Hadoop and MongoDB, and most of those environments are a good segue to the third no-regret investment is in open-source, cloud-based technologies. If you're not looking at open-source, then you've narrowed yourself extensively to uh, harder-to-find dwindling resource pools. You've got to be in open-source and then the economies of the cloud and the investments they can make in, in security far exceed the cost of on-premise security investments. And it's a good segue to the last no-regret investment is information security and governing bodies like High Trust are great places to make sure that you're working with vendors who have met the standards of a governing body. Circling back around to Next Health, I know one of the constant challenges of analytics companies is that the business model is often more consulting 
than technology. And that, of course, makes it difficult to scale. So you, you guys just got that Gartner Award for being innovative. How is Nextel different? How are you solving that? Sure. I, I would say that first, we're delivering real causal patient outcomes today. So we're taking one in four people out of the ER that otherwise shouldn't be there. And that's translating to, depending on the line of business, a real per member per month savings that uh, we, number two, we put our fees at risk based on that. And that's really attractive to frustrated executives who are tired of paying for, you know, a lot of PhDs to sit around and, and hopefully deliver an outcome. The third thing is that we are very solution-oriented from data ingestion through consumer engagement and a full managed services offering that gets to market very quickly. We're engaging consumers in 90 days of contract execution, and that speed to value is absolutely critical. And then the last thing I would say is that we offer this as a technology-enabled service. So it's a software as a service that once your data is loaded in our Mongo Hadoop environment, you can scale to uh, unlimited other business problems. Today, we offer 30 out-of-the-box key performance indicators from diabetes to readmission to retention to ER visit reduction, you name it. Because it's in a technology platform, it does not require a room full of scientists. Those scientists are programming for us versus generating insights for our customers. So technology is absolutely pivotal to scale and cost efficiency in the market. Sounds like Next Health works for risk bearers. In other words, you've got some payer customers, you've got some provider customers, and how it works is you sit down with them, you go through your four very important questions that are involved in defining the problem. But once the problem is defined, you've got 30 sort of starting point templates, I don't know what you call them. That, Key that, performance indicators, right. That you can plug in. So you suck in the organization's data, you run them through the analytics engine, and then you can pop out a list of patients and you know the who and what you should do with them in order to, to create this lift you were talking about earlier. Does it, is that Right. I think that's the starting point, but ultimately, you really don't know much in predictive analytics. It's just a guess. What is most important is that you start engaging, and it's not until you engage in the correct way with randomized control trials that you can learn and scale what's working for whom. Because ultimately, an outcome is only a measure of, did, did you do it? Did you drive behavior change? A prediction is just a guess. And a guess is literally useless today. Okay. So what Next Health is also doing is initiating those random controlled trials within an organization. So some patients That's go right. one way, some patients go a different way, and then you can collect the results and continuously improve. Yeah, we're... We're actively discovering through trials what works with you on an endless basis, and we learn. Are you using that information across customers? So in other words, what you learn from one customer may be applicable to another? I think we're using the methods and the techniques, but the data is very different from one part, one zip code to another. So the methods and techniques and technologies are consistent, but the results of the data are unique to that particular member. I, I think what's important to know is B2B to C is, doesn't really work anymore. It's called company to you. 
and see to why is really the takeaway and and you know, to some extent, it's yes and no is the answer to your question. There's a lot of companies doing things like this in a pilot sort of phase. Has Next Health, where are you in that curve? How proven is your methodology? Right. I think most companies are stuck somewhere in pilot because a lot of those executives aren't willing to commit to capability of vendors and they'll give them year contract. Next Health is really in rare air because we sell a system because we sell a technology-enabled service, we have multi-year contracts with some of the largest health plans in the countries, and we've had renewals of some of the largest blues and the largest health plan in the U.S. So we're, we're very fortunate to be in a position where we make money as an organization and we're not dependent on institutional investment. That's a big deal. So who should call Next Health and when? C-suite officers who own business problems, and yesterday is a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> and they should go to your website, nexthealth.com, or is there some other... That's right. That's yeah. a good place to, to go. We, we have a lot of podcasts from other executives. Believe it or not, our podcast series is seeing greater traction than some companies that have won on Jeopardy. <laughs> With all of your, your analytics, I'm sure there's great insights there. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Eric. Hey, thank you, Stacey. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far. There are over 50 at this point with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.